Hi everyone, welcome back to Kin's Conversations. For today, I will be speaking with Marie, a close friend of mine, um, and also someone I met in college while working in public service. And I thought it would be great to invite her on to share her experience in public service and what she's doing post-grad. So Marie, if you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do, what you're interested in, and then we can start from there. Word. Um, so Hello, my name is Marie. I just graduated from college this spring. Throughout my time in college, I was doing public service the whole time. Uh, specifically, I worked with youth in an after-school program. And post-grad, I was lucky enough to get a fellowship to continue doing public service work, this time in Denver, funnily enough. So I'm looking forward to doing that and getting to know a new group of kids. That sounds very exciting. I think we were just talking a little bit about your move to Denver. So we can definitely dive more into that later. But I guess to get a better understanding, how did you get started in public service? Did it start in college or did it start before that? Yeah, well, what was your introduction like? In college or non-college, in high school, like I did service work for NHS. Ooh throwback acronyms. I did service work for NHS and I was a student athletic trainer. So I worked with like the football team and the soccer team. So I did like work in that regard. But I would say once I got into college, I got to dive a little further in because um, what I really wanted to do the most was work with kids. And because I was a trainer in high school, I didn't really have that much free time to dive into like all the work I wanted to do, but in college, I wanted to prioritize that. So when I got there, I went to the open house for our public service organization, um, the Lips Brooks House Association. And I looked at the after school programs and I found one that I felt I connected the most with and started seeing the kids that, I wanna say September, maybe early October, loved them, loved going, loved the whole program. And I stayed with it throughout my entire college career. How did you know that service was something you wanted to get interested in? Or like wanted to get involved in? I think a big thing for me is just helping out where I can. And I feel like as part of a community, I also want to help said community. I just uh -huh. wouldn't really feel like I'm just doing my duty as a citizen slash a person if I'm not. So I think that drive in general kind of spurred me towards public service work. And I know you didn't like mention this, but I know that you're pre-pre-med, right? I am. That so, I am. <laughs> so I know you're studying for the MCAT right now, but I'm curious on how like do you think that your interest in the academics? So medical school and stuff like that aligns with your interest in public service? I feel like the two are one and the same. I think the way that I view medicine is kind of like a labor of love towards like, you know, whatever community you're working with. And I think medicine at its core to me is service work, it's public service work. You're serving the community you're in with their healthcare needs, making sure like they know what they need to make sure they're doing well, their families are doing well, just in a way that I guess centers medical sciences more than I guess some other streams of public service work. So as a result, yeah, I feel like I want to be a doctor, not just because like you get to help people, but I guess the ways in which you get to help people mm -hmm. and the way, I don't know, I think to me with medicine, you're using all of this knowledge and the goal is just to help. And I think I like that. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense because at its core of service, it's really uplifting the needs of the people you want to help, right? And then finding a way to meet those needs, whether that's with medicine or with, I don't know, other other means. Mm -hmm. I think I'm really curious and, and wanting to talk a little bit more about serving your community while in college, because I know that that's a big thing for the two of us. I'm still in college, we just graduated, finished all four years, and um, was involved all four years. And so, like, for example, what I mean by this is, 
instead of like choosing to do other extracurricular activities, um, why specifically service or working in an after-school program? Because um, one thing about service I will say, and I, I, I'm sure you'll agree is that it's time consuming um, and energy consuming, but it's also worth it in its own ways. I guess with that, like the question would be, mm, why did you choose to stick to service um, and the after school program in college? And what is it like volunteering while in college and balancing all of your responsibilities as a student and beyond? I think I chose service work, I guess continuing with my service work throughout college, because I just really wanted to see the kids that I work with win. I think there's a lot of forces like societally um, that often are not in favor of like black and brown youth um, that often leave them like under-resourced. And I just feel like and know that all of them have so much to offer. And even in like the short four years I got to spend with them, like all of them are so cool, so unique, so lovely. And Harvard has so many resources. And if I have the ability to bring some of that to them, like I want to, like if they're interested in a certain fields or like a certain career and there's someone like that on campus, like I want to bring them to Dorchester so they can meet. Or if they need SAT help or like want SAT books and like there's a way for us to get it to them, like I want to do that. Because I think going to college in itself is like a really big opportunity and it's a way to really help you or at least it was a way for me to figure out what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it um but at the point I guess like by the time I was in Dorchester like I'm already in college you know and I'm kind of like I'm figuring that out and I have these resources at my fingertips and I felt like it was only fair that I helped spread that mm -hmm. I don't know and I feel like a lot of things on campus are very insular it kind of just like circulates things on campus and there's definitely work that needs to be done on campus but there's also work that needs to be done in like the community at large mm -hmm. and I just couldn't I wouldn't have felt right being there and not being involved in what's going on around I think and you're right, like it is time consuming. It was hard only because something I didn't really prioritize slash realize when I got to college is that like, if you're trying to like fill the cups of those around you, like you also have to fill yourself. And I definitely did not fill my cup in college the way I should have. So I was definitely more tapped out than I should have been. I wish looking back that I had that realization a little bit earlier, just so I feel like I would have been able to do more for was around me and myself that was taking care of myself better but I was not and I think because because campus can be a little insular it's very easy for people to tap into campus stuff more and I felt like I guess like not in retaliation but I guess as an opposing force I wanted to make sure I tapped out a little bit more mm -hmm. but yeah I guess finding that balance was hard and I think as we reached the end of college like I definitely figured out how to do that in a way that was more sustainable but it was it was a journey but I don't regret it like I I'm glad that I was able to get to know the kids in the community like that and we were able to like do what we could and I hope that the program continues to do what they can I'll definitely be back to like see the kids and stuff but it was it was a time <laughs> it was a it was lots of learning yeah the first thing that I wanted to address is, would you mind sharing specifically what your program does and the mission and what your role in the program is? Because I think, I didn't think about this, but we've been talking about service so abstract, um, but obviously I think the role that you played in your program um, and your relationship to it is important in comparison to, I don't know, me as a, just like a counselor um, and then et cetera. Never just. Never just, uh, but yeah, I can talk more about it. So 
I started with Franklin After School Enrichment my freshman year. It's an after-school program serving school-aged youth in Dorchester. Our youngest is six, and I guess we can go all the way up until 18, but at the point in time that I was there, I think our oldest was 17. We run four days a week, Monday through Thursday. Volunteers go once a week. Directors go twice a week. I started off as a volunteer my freshman year because like, I came from Texas. I don't know this community. It felt like, I don't know, for me, if I'm going into a new place, I would like to get to know the place before I am not taking on leadership because who am I to like try and lead the place that I don't know. Yeah. But went there, volunteered, got to know the kids, got to know what the program was about. I then worked as curriculum chair for a little bit um, during the pandemic, specifically figuring out how to keep them engaged during like this very tumultuous time, uh, I guess the start of the pandemic. And then the second semester of sophomore year, I became a director. So that meant going to program twice a week, working more on the coordination aspects and like now really deep diving into what it means to like direct phase. So getting to know the community leaders a little bit better, getting to know the parents better, getting to know the youth better, um, figuring out new initiatives that we could do, for example, during the pandemic or during the start of the pandemic, sorry, we started career day. So we'd bring people of different career fields to come talk to the kids just so they could get to know like different things that are out there. We played a lot more like educational games because a lot of them were not <laughs> very interested in Zoom school. Uh, not many kids were, but we wanted to still keep it a little educational. Coming back from COVID, because for my year, the juniors, I guess class 23 was not allowed back on campus for the most part. So my junior year, we we're back on campus. We started out virtually because things are still pretty hectic. We transitioned in person. And at that point, the priority was really just figuring out what they, as in the community, needed us to do the most. Because like I was in Texas throughout the pandemic, right? So I don't know what's going on in Dorchester the way I would have if we were here. So really talking to the community leaders, really getting to know the kids, what they feel like they missed out on, and also making sure we're building a volunteer base that they felt like they could connect to. Because the big thing about phase is mentorship, um, just making sure we're building these relationships with the kids. Because a lot of the times they don't really feel like they're heard at school. So we really wanna make sure they're heard here or they feel like there is somebody who will hear them. So making sure that we were recruiting volunteers who are really invested in the kids and their growth and that the kids could relate to. And then I served as a director until my senior fall, because at that point we like to transition so that the new group kind of get a hang of things while the old director is still there in case anyone needs to tap in. So that last semester, just kind of, you know, making sure people were settling, telling people what I knew from before, COVID happened to after COVID happened. I don't know, we started a new like offset phase team. So trying to check in with them, um, see if there's anywhere I could help, but they were they were doing like their thing. Yeah, thank you for your comprehensive overview <laughs> of what phase does. Cause one of the things with PBHA or the public service organization on campus is that there's multiple programs, right? So the program I work in is not might also be an after-school program, but the things we do, the communities we serve, uh, the different initiatives we have may vary. And so I think what when you mentioned that you brought people from different career fields to talk about their careers or even SAT prep, I thought that was really cool because um, for my after-school program, it's primarily, I mean, it's just elementary school kids um, and they're focus or priorities definitely are not SATs at that moment or different mm. things like that. So I think it's interesting to provide the appropriate resources. But one of the things you you mentioned that really stood out to me was how you're from Texas, you're not from Massachusetts. And so one of the big things uh, for you was to get to know the community first before stepping into leadership or imposing systems and stuff like that. And, and that got me thinking about the, how would you call it, like the life cycle of college volunteers? Mm. We, we, we've definitely talked about this in the past, but 
how students will come volunteer for some the longest or like four years um, or a little bit more, but then others, it's like a semester or sometimes two semesters um, and then new volunteers come in. Um, and I don't know, like, what, what, what are your thoughts on volunteer turnover? Um, and why do you think there is something like that? Because then we could even go into the process of recruiting volunteers and how that plays into retention. Yeah, I think, and I can only really speak for like Harvard because that's where we were. Yeah. But people, from what I've seen, often start volunteering and then things get busy. And one of the first things to go off their plate is volunteering because it does take extra time. You're going off campus, et cetera, et cetera. But I guess for me, like I kind of said it earlier, once I got there, it didn't even really feel right to just dip. So I feel like a lot of people start volunteering and even if they like it or say they don't, if they get too busy, they tap out because there are a lot of forces pulling you in a lot of different directions on campus. And because volunteering is often taking place off campus and like takes that extra time out of your day, um, it's one of the first things people take off their plates when they need to like get their other stuff together. And I think because we have this campus culture of like, I don't know, I guess getting things done for yourself, it makes it very easy to let go of things that don't directly serve you in moments where you need to serve yourself. And like I said earlier, I'm definitely team fill your cup, make sure you're good. But I also feel like there is a way to balance service work and like college life, whether that be like when you're looking for work to do, thinking about your schedule and what you can commit to do that way say you do get invested in this community, say you are working with like kids that they get to know you don't just disappear, you know? Cause I feel like we are, or I guess not, in some cases we're imposing ourselves in this space, right? And it's supposed to be in collaboration, but say it's not because people are just coming and going and not really tapping in. Like, it's just, what are we really doing? You know what I mean? And if you do have that consistent base, then it's more clear what you're doing and what you're trying to do and who you're doing it with. So yeah, I guess that's how I feel about it. I feel like it's sad. Like I get it in terms of why it happens, but I wouldn't say I agree with it only because I feel like there are ways to evade that happening. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Don't worry. Yeah, but I guess in, in some ways with campus culture, you, you can never know um, what people's priorities are, right? Whether it's like, okay, I need to focus on my studies and do this, or what they think they're able to balance. And when you brought up the the point of it didn't feel right to just dip, that definitely, I think, is so valuable um, because, because I don't know if I'm gonna say this right, but because you're holding responsibility beyond yourself and your needs. Um, yeah. And like, the thing is, I think the the question of privilege and power comes in a lot, especially when in a way you said, we are imposing ourselves into neighborhoods. And so how do we make it in a way, or what, what steps can we take to make sure that there isn't an, like, a, we're not taking advantage even more of this privilege and this power and how do we make sure that we can uplift the communities and their needs um, beyond just telling them like, hey, this is this service project that we're doing, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I've, I've actually had like a lot of conversations about, I guess, privilege and power in terms of volunteering. I think we talked about it like a while back in relationship to this volunteer turnover, this very short volunteer turnover. It's like, mm, people have expressed concerns of, are there students or are there volunteers who are using this program as a testing ground for developing their skills, whether hard or soft skills? 
And if so, that obviously is very problematic, right? Um, because neighborhoods and communities that we're wanting to help should not be playgrounds for us to build our skills for different, like in the future. Like if, it, like, I think, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like a, a little a little bit hard to explain because I think building skills along the way should just be something that comes with time, but it shouldn't be the purpose of volunteering. Yeah. Yeah. And then something else uh, that I wanted to explore a little bit more with you is um, as a director, I think your responsibilities are so immense and what mm-hmm. it means to manage, <laughs> manage, like essentially program management, volunteer management, that kind of stuff is very, is, is definitely different from direct work with yeah. um, with the kids and stuff. So mm, what was that like being on the, what would you call it, program management side of things? It was managing a program, yeah. I think it was a time. I enjoyed it. I had a great time. I feel like with directing, I really got to dive into the work more and really understand what it is we're here for and why we're doing it. Because linking back to what you said earlier about people who go in for like hard skills or soft skills as their primary focus, that definitely makes public service work harder if like heads aren't there for the right reason. But if you're going in because like you want to help the Boston Cambridge community or you really want to like tap into communities you relate to or like I'm black, like I really want to help black and brown youth. You know, I feel like just something that doesn't center, I guess, you to the same extent, you know, uh, is really important. And I think directing really does not center you. <laughs> like, it is so much so not about you at all. Because the questions are, how does this program work the best? How do we make sure the kids are best being, like, served by us? How do you make sure the volunteers are coming consistently what can we do to make sure like everyone is comfortable in this space? The kids feel like they have people to relate to and figuring that out when like you're getting a new set of kids during semesters or a new set of volunteers during some semesters, or you have to go to a new location. You have to start virtually this time. Third took a lot of creativity, but I didn't find it as hard as I could have because I feel like centering I guess less of what I wanted and more of what would be best for the community based off of what they've let me know makes things a lot easier. Because I feel like sometimes things can get overcomplicated if the wrong things are prioritized. But when parents' peace, kids' peace, community's peace is number one, it's just a matter of like, okay, how can we use our resources to meet that instead of like, I feel like they would like this. How do I now then figure this out? Meanwhile, that's not what they want. So everything just gets a lot harder. Like there's no infrastructure to support that. There's no desire, et cetera, et cetera. But just knowing what they want, what they need and knowing how you can help them get there with what you have and figure out how to get what you don't was really what I centered and doing with people who also care. Oh, because the director team, I love them. I love those people so much. Being around like-minded people as you're doing that work makes it so much easier. And I feel like everybody on every side of it benefits more when those in charge of organizing it are really, really tapped in. I feel like I was lucky enough to work with people who were very tapped in. Yeah. And a follow-up question on that is, what was your director team like? So I had basically two-ish different sets of director teams, I guess three, like each semester was different, but it was mainly the same people. The first time I worked with, um, I guess, Fahima, Elise, and Kayla, they were all in grades above me, and they've also been working with the program, I think, basically since they started college, and because we're going into, like, a virtual year, they had a really good handle on, like, who the kids were, who the community members were, et cetera, et cetera, and they had to navigate us through that I mean, we use this term all the time, but I'm going to use it again, unprecedented time <laughs> moving this program virtually. And they did such an amazing job. And I learned so much and worked with them. And they were so driven, so amazing. I adore them. Then when they graduated and were transitioning out, I worked with Maya. I love Maya. Like they put their heart and soul 
into like everything they do. And I think their passion and like drive was really invaluable as you were trying to build this program back up from a virtual year and get to know parents and kids who mainly got to know us virtually and building that trust, that was super important. Then the next semester, we had Malik and Alma join the team. Also obsessed with them. Alma is so funny, so caring, like always made sure that the kids' interests were top of mind. And Malik was really good at like understanding the kids and where they were coming from and like how to best work with them, especially our teens, because now he directs Franklin team. Um, and just having his insight and like his skill set was fantastic. And I think one of my favorite things about that semester of directing was we were having such a hard time finding a time to have our director meeting because everyone on campus, including us, were just so busy. Like we had a bunch of different things that we had going on. So we decided on 9 a.m. on Tuesdays, which I would never in my life for no other org would I be meeting at 9 a.m. <laughs> for like an extracurricular. There's just no reason. I don't even like 9 a.m. classes. But for phase, we did it. We had no choice. We had to do it. And that meant sometimes we were late. Sometimes we had to do it on Zoom, but we were there. And every meeting was just so funny because just waking up early <laughs> during the middle of the week was wild. But I really love the commitment everyone had. And then the next semester, I think it was just me, Maya, and Alma. The next semester, I didn't direct. I think, I think that was my senior, that was my senior fall. And then senior spring. Now it's Maya, Alma, Kem Kem, and Ellie. And as like a volunteer that semester, it was great just watching them kind of figure out what their director style is and how to like make sure face continues to be what it was. And then Malik went off to do Franklin team with Abdul. And even just like talking to the teens and how they feel about the program and just talking about stuff, it's been lovely to see. And I don't know, I just really love the people who I met through this program and the ways in which you can see that they love the program too. Um, and the people and the kids, it's just amazing. But yeah, that's my director team. It definitely sounds like a dream team or like dream teams. Yeah, sometimes it's like not everyone's experience where every director team for programs are as dedicated or passionate or are able to show up. Like the fact that you had 9 a.m. meetings. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know, they sound, they sound lovely. Um, I got to I got to work with some of them via what do you call it like van driver stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but that makes it, it makes me think about like the people you meet along the way. I'm gonna sound like a broken record. I always sound like a broken record when it comes to this topic. But I think, for example, me and you like getting connected and meeting even though we weren't working on the same program, like, I love that. I love being able to, like, feel connected with other people who are as passionate about what they do in serving the community, because I think, like, a lot of, a lot of my friends on campus, or, like, a majority of them are definitely in different fields and wanting to focus on different things, and so when I tell them like, oh, I am at, um, I'm in Chinatown doing this, or I'm at PBHA doing this, they, they're always like, why do you spend so much time just like there, right? Um, because what they do is different. Um, and so it's good to know that there are other people who are also very passionate in service. I definitely, I feel very lucky to have met so many people who, I think the phrase that I've heard used pretty often is like, have a heart to serve, like just kind of mm -hmm. have that passion to do that work. Because I feel like that alone can bring people together. And like, that comes with, I think, other character traits or values that I feel like I really appreciate in a friend. Mm -hmm. So I feel that just having like those people who I work with, whether it be through phase or like through other public service streams of life, 
has been, or not even has been, was probably the most important part of my college experience because I don't know how I would have done that without them in my corner. What has service, what has the role of service been to you throughout your college experience? I feel like service work, because I started so early and because of what I want to do ultimately in life, it kind of served as the foundation of my college experience. And it's probably what I dove the most into throughout my time. And I guess, what does it mean to me? I don't know, it just means, it's kind of like a way of doing life. Like, I feel like now that I've really gotten to dive into it more, I don't really know what my life would look like if I'm not using what I've learned over the years to help make the world around me a better place in some way. Because I feel like, what else is there for me to do? Like, obviously, I want personal growth and I want self-growth and et cetera, et cetera. But I also want to know that I didn't just use those skills for myself, that I used them to kind of, like, help out around me. So it's working hard like this at this point. Oh, I guess you can see it. Fingers crossed. But it's almost like a mindset of, like, a lens that you're able to look out life through. And like what you want to focus or aim to do, um, which I've never actually thought of, like service as a a lens to look at life through. What would you want other people or students who want to volunteer um, or get into service work to know? It's important to know what you value. I feel like there's definitely just like with any other field places where you'll thrive more, like be able to contribute more and place where you're able to do, not do, where it's harder to do so where you don't really feel as connected to that space. And I think with public service work, in my opinion, it is very important to feel connected to the work you're doing, especially for like longevity purposes, because it can be tiresome. And if you don't really care, it's very easy to tap out. Or if you don't really feel like you're doing anything or that you're connected to the space, like it's very easy to just not feel like the work you're doing is, I guess, worth it. I don't feel like those sentiments should go alongside service work at all. Um, Therefore, making sure you're aligned with the work you're doing is important. And making sure that like with whatever you do, you're prioritizing those who you're working with or those who you're working for and that even if you like have an idea of your own, like running it by like whoever's already there, because they know more about what they need and what works and what doesn't work than you do if you're not like from that area or you're not, like of that space. And I don't know, just just tapping into community at large, I think will help a lot. Spending time in a place that's not just doing the work, whether it be like I don't know, taking a walk, going out to eat, meeting people, just like letting yourself be a little bit more immersed than just like, I'm here and I'm not here. Because I feel like that also helps you better understand the work you're doing. But at large, I just hope everybody is able to find a place where they feel comfortable helping out. I think it's enriching not only for the place you're at, if you're doing it right, but also for yourself. Because even though I wouldn't say go to grow, by doing this work, inevitably you will grow. And I think that's beneficial to like yourself, the community, just everybody. Very wise. Um, <laughs> but with with that, um, I can't imagine the like the different students you've probably seen grow during your time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Just you being there consistently a student going from one grade to the other and seeing their development because in, in some cases you're you do have influence in a child's development they're at such like a a prime stage in that it's been crazy just like kids who used to have conflicts with one another and kind of relaxing or people who kind of had trouble calming down figuring out 
what interests they have and just watching them dive into that. You're seeing friendships be built, friendships not last, like just a lot of growth um, from the kiddos. And it's been wild. Yeah. To just remember when they were young and see them grow into themselves and just, yeah. I don't know, tap in wherever they need it. It's been, mm-hmm. it's been a privilege, truly. Yeah. And I think some, sometimes it's like, you definitely have to learn and reflect on how you can best show up for the students um, because I don't know, just helping other people with certain skills or certain ways to deal with conflict is, is like, no one prepares you for it. Um, yeah. But one, one of the, one of the things you also said is uh, how it's important to immerse yourself into the community. Um, and I think that's what I really like about, even though it has a lot of responsibilities, that's one of the things I like about the director team or positions or the, the access they have. I'm not saying that like volunteers don't have access to going into the communities and stuff, but I think inherently with the director responsibility to talk to parents to talk to um community partner sites all that kind of stuff it it, it like forces you yeah connected and to to learn like there's no way you can't be engaged um yeah. being like if, if you're performing those responsibilities that that you're given yeah yeah and in medicine they have a term uh cultural competence which kind of asks doctors or like medical professionals to get to know more about like different groups that they're not part of in order to better serve them. And though I agree, I feel like it also goes along with this other term, cultural humility, humility, which kind of emphasizes the fact that no matter how much you know, like you'll never know it all and emphasizes the need for listening uh, and just kind of understanding where the person you're talking to is coming from and not just lumping them into like an idea you have or like what you've read because everybody is different. And I think with public service work at large, in terms of like cultural competency, just knowing the community is important. And in terms of cultural humility, listening to them is even more important. Because if I know all these things about say Denver, where I'm going, that's one thing but I don't know what it's like to live there. I don't know what it's like to grow up there. So with all the knowledge I could gain, it wouldn't be enough. But if I only listen and I don't know anything, like I'm learning things, but I don't have any framework. And I feel like using the two hand in hand allows you to be of better service when you start doing that work. So yeah, I I agree with what you're saying. This might feel like a disconnected question, (laughs) but I'm curious now, what do you think your directing style is? Because there's definitely Ooh. different kinds. <laughs> I'm curious to, to hear about yours because I don't think I've ever asked this. You haven't. I feel like, okay, the way in which I like to work with kids is by getting them to a point where they're kind of talking. Like, I just kind of want to know how they think, how they move. And I feel like I'll use the teens as a good example because our teens don't open up quick at all. They very much so talk to each other, kind of mind their own business every now and then they'll interact with the younger kids, but it's usually just the teens. But they do come. Like you can tell they want to be there because they don't have to be there, but they arrive. And I wanted them to know that if they needed me, I was there. Because it didn't, they did not respond well to people kind of like imposing themselves onto their like small groups or like trying to like do certain things. But I didn't want them to just like kind of be in the space, not knowing anybody as we're like trying to run program. So with them, whenever they walked in, made sure to say hi, made sure I knew their names, made sure they knew mine, just in case. Um, would ask a few questions here and there, didn't push too hard. Um, and then slowly you could kind of see them warm up and start telling me stuff that I didn't ask about or like telling me long stories or just like chit-chatting. And then by the end of the year, those are the amigos. I love those teens. And they do love to chit chat. And I feel like that's probably the best story I have to describe my director style in that I want to give the kids space to get to know me 
I don't want them to feel like she's a volunteer, she's a director, therefore, blah, 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 like have a certain idea of how things have to go. Like I want them to be able to form unique relationships based off of what they need um, in that moment, which involves a lot of listening, involves questions, it involves jokes. I don't yell, I'm not a yeller. Uh, only time I yell is if it's like a, hey guys, da 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 but I'm not like a disciplinarian in like a harsh way. I think I do lean into the restorative justice practices of trying to get kids to understand why what they did was not it and like what we can do moving forward. But I feel like harsh discipline is not in my playbook at all. I kind of just like to vibe, but not in like an I'm one of the kids way, but in like a, I guess, older cousin, older yeah, older cousinish way. Uh, except I'm not related to them. I think that's probably the best way to describe it, given where we were and who we were working with and who I was coming in doing this work. Yeah, because I definitely know that on the other end, there are also directors who may or may not be a little bit more strict. And so mm-hmm. kids are a little bit intimidated by them, but there's also directors who kids just like like to play with a lot or different things like that. Um, but essentially you're meeting them in the middle and just like being patient, right? You're not forcing them to open up being like, you're not knocking on their door and you're like, open up, I need to get to know you because well, that's imposing. Um, but if anything, it's patience, understanding and listening, which I yeah. is wonderful. But I mean, it's important to have all sorts of directing styles, right? You can't just yeah. have everyone who's a certain way um but something that I would love to ask you about is uh, restorative justice mm. you you mentioned that if um how would you define or explain res- restorative justice to somebody I think to me at its core restorative justice is about not prioritizing punishment and kind of prioritizing growth in response to something that has gone wrong or something that like should not be going on or something that has harmed another person. So for example, if a kid gets in a fight instead of automatically sending them like out of program, kind of making sure that we talk to them about like what happened, talk to whoever was harmed about what happened and come to like an agreement about what should happen next, like what the consequences are to the action um, and not consequence in like a punishy term, but in just like a, how are we gonna move forward from this? What do you need to do? What do we need to do as a community to make sure like things like this don't happen again or we aren't creating environments that allow things like this to happen that's the way at least I think about it and specifically what is it like to practice it or implement it in your program um because I've had um well I don't know if I've had but because I've heard different experiences of what it's like to know the framework versus to implement it and practice it. Um, because I, a director that I was talking to is talking about how like, yes, they understand restorative justice and, and, and people are preaching it to them all the time and everything. Um, but then when it comes to like the, I guess the group of people that the program does work with, it it's hard to implement when there are other problems that are like other barriers before you can th- does that make sense I feel like that's like really bad like yeah I'm explaining it badly but it's like how do you practice and implement restorative justice when there are barriers along the way that are making it difficult to even get to a place where restorative justice can be used like that framework can make sense because it, it, it wouldn't make sense in a in a setting where you can't just Im- impose it onto settings that aren't, that don't know the like 
fundamentals yet. Um, yeah. I don't I don't know if that makes sense. I feel like I'm definitely rambling. Yeah, what's what's that been like for you, especially with a younger like, especially with younger kids? Yeah, because you think... don't want to just like give them a lecture, right? Or like explain all this to them. Like, how do you actually implement it and everything? I feel like it's definitely not easy when restorative practices aren't the norm. And I feel like very rarely is it possible to go through it perfectly as though like it's a textbook example of how restorative justice can do everything it needs to do because it does require buy-in from all parties. And sometimes all parties don't want to buy in. So I feel like for me, just trying to make sure that those principles were centered in whatever decisions we were making was really important. So if something does go wrong, making sure that we're not just, you know, shunning the kid and calling it a day and instead talking to them about what happened, talking to them about like why it can't really happen again or why it can't be happening in this space, but also trying to understand what caused it to happen and why people were harmed by it happening. Just like, you know, like slowly introducing different point of views about the situation instead of just punishing them and hoping that that's enough. Because especially working with kids, I think, even though restorative dress can sometimes be harder, I would argue that's one of the most important stages for it because they're still building up their ideas of what to do when things go wrong and what to do like if there's a conflict and if we just divert to the easiest option, which is most often punitive, then there is no room or there's less room for those questions about whether or not this is the right way to approach it. But if we do try to approach it a different way, then ideally they too will start to approach things a different way and start to lean more into restorative practices. And in some cases you can explain to them why we're doing things like, and it's not like weird for them. Like if we do circles, which is supposed to be restorative practice, we can explain to them why we're doing circles and what the goal is. But in the heat of conflict, I think just giving everyone a little time to cool off first and then doing things has been what has worked the best for our program. Like listening to you, I can definitely hear your experience shining through. <laughs> it's like it's like a wise owl. Um, but I just wonder with with new teams of volunteers and directors, what it's like for programs. Um, and I hope that the, I, I know that the influence and the help that you've given the students and everything are gonna mean a lot. I'm, I'm sure they're like so lucky to have you. I'm, it sounds like such a great program. I was lucky to meet them. I can only hope yeah. that they gained something. I'm sure they did. It's like you, you were there for all four years. Wild four years. Even, even virtually and that, virtually is a, it's, it's like another discussion in itself <laughs> like I started volunteering virtually because class of 2020 slash 2024 right that was like start of the pandemic um but it's so weird because some of the kids that I've met virtually now that they've come back to program because First, it was fully virtual, then it was hybrid. So some students can choose to stay uh, virtual or come in person. And then now it's like fully in person. But some of them who like meet me now don't either, their conception of me is, is like very all over the place. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes it's, it's so interesting to see because it's like, I remember all these things of like what we did and how we met you and like even seeing how you are now in like in person versus how you are virtually like some people how students just like to turn off their cameras because I don't know they just want to um, or different things and yeah I think like I said very different time but you saw you saw all of it the before right the after yeah. the before the during and the after yeah what do you think um has changed like 
what do you think has is now different because of that virtual programming? I think expectations of the program were different on all ends because virtually it was much easier to kind of focus on just homework, just curriculum, because the kids have already tapped in there on their computers. You have to entertain them, you have to engage them. But in person, there's so many other factors <laughs> that need to be considered when you're working with the kids, especially when you're working like one minute away from their house, because this is now their backyard. So kind of integrating ourselves into that space and figuring out what else we need to prioritize on top of what we're able to prioritize the most on Zoom and deprioritizing some things that we used to think were more important and just, I don't know, going through all of those switches was interesting. Because I won't say that our post-COVID in-person program is like our pre-COVID in-person program. I feel like that version had a lot more, I mean, one, the kids were younger, so that's already a different vibe. But also coming back, I feel like there was an increased desire for connection amongst the kids because I feel like mentorship really became more important coming back from the pandemic than before which isn't to say that it wasn't happening but it's to say that we've definitely prioritized those connections in our decisions about what we want to do next and what's going on more than we did before based off of what we were kind of like reading from the kids yeah it's like learning how to learning how to be human again after COVID essentially sure um and what is this I don't know if this is going to be a hard question but what is a memory or like what is one of your favorite memories with the kids so that's one question right and then the other one is what is something that you've learned from them because I'm sure that you learned from them as much as you learned from you. Definitely learned from them. Ooh, favorite memories. Ooh, one of my favorites. One thing about these kids is that they hate turning a form in before the deadline. They just, if we're going on a field trip, they will not give us any forms until day of. They've gotten better. It's gotten better. But when we first started doing field trips, it would just take a lot. So we would plan for whoever turned it in. We kind of like think that's enough. I think for our first in-person field trip back, we brought two vans, enough for like 20-ish, you know, 16-ish kids, like a certain amount of kids. But like all these kids came from the woodwork with their papers for, oh my gosh, that was crazy. But that one, I think is one of my favorite memories because it just showed that we were doing something that they wanted to be part of and wanted to be involved in. Even though it would have been nice to know in advance <laughs> just so we could have like had enough room for everybody it was nice to know what they were interested in and that outside of like the homework space they did want to come like hang and like you know chill with face and I think something I've learned from them is to prioritize fun a little bit more I think in the hustle bustle of college uh things can get very serious and very like I'm going to say this word wrong, so I'm not going to say it, but it feels like you have to do this and then that and then this and then that, and then that's it. But hanging out with them and talking to them and just hearing about their days made me realize the importance of making sure to sprinkle in like, I don't know, time to just be silly and goofy and chill in there because that is also a very important facet of life. And I think kids in general have that on lock for the most part, and it kind of gets lost as you mature, but I don't want to lose that. And they helped me remember that. That's really sweet. Do you think you were able to incorporate some sprinkles of play during your last year or semester? I think I definitely tried. There was a lot going on still, unfortunately, but I did start to add more things that were just to hang out, to do chill things. Like I started baking um, with friends or like people I wanted to get to know more. And I didn't even get to bake with everyone I wanted to, but I got to start it, which was super cool. And just exploring campus a little bit more, 
um, exploring Boston a little bit more, just, I don't know, trying to live life more than I was just kind of existing through life. Well, hopefully you can continue to be mindful of what play you do incorporate into your life or how you can have fun, whether mm -hmm. that's singing in the shower or <laughs> I don't know, whatever fun is for you, right? I think one of the big things was the the power of play because mm -hmm. kids are so imaginative and it's like so lively in, in their own ways um, that I think it taught me to to try to tap in more with what it means to be creative not just creative and oh I need to paint or oh I need to make something but, but what, what does that mean for me to be a kid again or you know to respect honor that inner child as some people may say I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about how like one of the best activities in program is always like arts and crafts mm. or like even if it's not arts and crafts they're gonna um incorporate arts and craft somehow and in, in in that in the different projects I love seeing them grow in in the way of like their their friendships but also their social skills um and their leadership abilities or, or what what are, what is inherently natural for them or what are they developing because of their environment and, and socio-emotional skills and everything I've definitely asked you a lot of questions, Marie. I would also like to ask you about your postgraduate plans or even talk about that a little bit because it is related to service. Um, so if if you don't mind sharing, what are you going to do postgrad um, and why did you choose this, the opportunity that you did? So I was granted the Priscilla Chan Stry Postgraduate Fellowship which funds a year of public service work. And I am working with the School-Based Health Alliance. They're a national organ, they're based in DC, but I will be in Denver working on something called Project Reach, which works with black high school students interested in health career paths, kind of like immerse them a little bit, teach some things about them, et cetera, et cetera, which is a project I'm really excited for as someone who was once a black high school kid who was interested in health career paths, but didn't tap in or didn't really have the same opportunity to tap in um, that this program is kind of giving kids to, giving kids. And in terms of specifics, still figuring that out. I don't start until September. So throughout the summer, I'm going to be talking to them and figuring out what it is that I'll be doing exactly. And what I can add to the program, but overall, I'm excited to get to know Denver, get to know the kids, get to know the health scene there. Uh, it's going to be similar to college in that this is a community that I've not been to before, so I do want to make sure that I get to know where I am and like what's going on there, what the state of things are before I get there. Uh, so such so as like. I don't know, I'm an outsider with no insight whatsoever. So we'll see. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, but I'm really excited. In some ways too, it might be it's probably gonna be different from your college experience too, because you're not going to have, I mean, classes. I would assume that you're not taking any classes. Um, are those, yeah, those responsibilities as a college student. And I I I wonder what um being engaged in that work for a year is going to look like without the the stress of school yeah. does that make sense because it does so that, that means the potential of you tapping in is going to be so much more but then in that way it's also like how do you still make sure it's balanced for you and also you're still filling your cup and everything going into yeah. a new environment um so i'll be uh, i'm excited for you i think it'll be fun I'm excited for me too. It's it is gonna be really interesting doing something like phase full time. Um, but yeah, the opportunities to engage seem in comparison endless given like the excess time I have. So I I I feel like good things are ahead. Like 
in, in your long-term future, do you plan to stay engaged with service or what, what are your career goals? Is it to be a physician, to be a doctor with med school or, yeah, because I don't think I've also asked you this. So now I'm curious. I do want to be a physician, but I also want to do public health work. And I feel like those two things go hand in hand with uh, community and thus public service work. So I do see public service being a big part of my life moving forward. In fact, I think it's just like intertwined with what I want to do. So right now, before med school, I kind of want to tap more into public health side and like the admin side of things and then medicine like obviously I'll tap more into the med school field of things or the medicine field of things and I hope to also get like a master's in public health or a doctor in public health um just to learn more about it before I finish up my schooling because <laughs> there's, there's a long road ahead of me but in conclusion yes I do see public service being there for a while. You do have a lot of school ahead of you. If I that do. is, you I know, uh, how, keep thinking about that question. How am I going to incorporate play into this long journey of learning? Um, mm. But in terms of communities you want to serve, have you ever thought of like what communities you want to specifically work with? Do you think it'll be um, communities in your hometown? Do you think you want to learn about um, different communities in globally or? I think locationally, I have no clue. But population-wise, I know I really want to help empower Black and Brown and like other often, um, often I guess ignore groups in medicine specifically. Um, both, I guess, local to the U.S., but also globally, which is why I don't know where exactly I want to be, because that population kind of spans across the world. But I do know who I want to make sure is being served by whatever work I choose to do, given the health disparities in those groups and the like structural, especially in the U.S., inequality often against those groups. Uh, because it's about time that things start to get better. And I would like to be a part of that wave. No, I'm, I'm excited for you. I think <laughs> I'm excited for what you're going to do. Um, but obviously not to overwhelm with the long, like not to overwhelm us with the long term. I'm excited for this coming year um, for you. I'll definitely be following up to ask you what that's like. But with that, we've definitely talked about a lot of things. I've definitely, what's that thing called? I've definitely picked your mind <laughs> on a lot of things, but do you have any, I don't know, any concluding thoughts or anything else you think you'd like to share or talk about in terms of your experience with community service um, in relation to college or beyond or just in general? I think concluding thoughts wise I hope that whoever listens to this if they're not already doing public service finds a space or a way that they can tap in both for whoever they're tapping in with and for themselves because I think we all can play our own role in kind of creating the world that we want to see and making the world in which we live a better place. And I hope that I was able to say something or that something that I said struck a chord with, I guess anyone, which will inspire, which would inspire them to do said work. Because at the end of the day, I think that's really my main priority. Just hoping everyone feels empowered to kind of go out and help. Because everyone's going to have different tools and assets that they are going to be able to use or want to tap in more into, right? If we were all to 
only focus on one population using one, I guess, quote unquote tool to help, then what happens to the collective and everything else? So with the different communities people want to tap into and the different ways they want to show up, like the way that you're able to show up is different from the way I'm able to show up with your knowledge and experience, et cetera. Like I definitely will not be able to show up as a physician or a doctor because <laughs> I, I, I don't know anything about that, but yeah. And, and honestly, I really just wanted to invite you on here um, because I think that it's important to share what service work is like. Um, and everyone's service experience may be different in some ways, but I think the the underlying the underlying like mission that you have is very inspiring. You're definitely one of those people who have a heart to serve. And Thank I'm you. very <laughs> grateful that I was able to meet you and connect with you in person. But I'm really happy that you're able to share your experience with the phase kids and with hopefully people who are listening. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to come onto your platform and chit chat a little bit. I too am glad that I met you in college and you too very much so have a heart to serve. And so with that, thank you for joining us for Kin's conversation today with Marie on her experience and journey serving her community and what it means to be in service. And with that, we'll talk to you guys next time.